You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 207, covering Soldiers of the Empire and Children of Time with Kevin Lynch. Hello, friends. We're back. Flonk is is here with us this time. Yes, he is. What's the hat, Flonk? Oh, wow. That's an old one. Mm-hmm. It's my catchphrase. Right, well, you're bringing it back. Your it new well-known catchphrase, catchphrase that everyone's always saying. Yep. And when people aren't on the screen, they're saying, what's the haps? Where's Flonk? <laughs> well, they want to know what the haps is. Yes. As do we want... all, I think. They also want to know Coke or Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Root beer. It's Deep Space Nine. Hmm? It's Deep Space Nine, so it's root beer. Oh, uh, right, of yeah. course. It's so bubbly and cloying. I don't want to drink Deep Space Nine. <sighs> I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't want to drink it. Drink it there's, in. There's probably like a Terraknor beer or something. Yeah, but it's not available right now. Right. Well, there's that Canadian brewery that's making all the Star Trek beers now. Oh, is it like a copyright thing and in Canada they can't get in trouble for it? I think it's the other way around. They are the only ones that bother to license it. Mm. Oh, I see. I should look into this. I've never heard of this. You should. They have a Vulcan Ale, they have a Klingon something, and they have uh, they have a new one coming out in a couple months. Yeah, I think we, we looked briefly into this when we were doing the, the crossover. Oh, sure, like, right. If if you could get that, then that could, you know, be something. No, I bought Christmas beer instead. It worked better. Right. Mm-hmm. For and Christmas. I got cocaine. Yeah, you did. For Christmas. Festive holiday cocaine. Yep. It was, and I, I threw it around like glitter. It was great. Why do you like cocaine so much, Al? Why don't you like cocaine? It's fair. It's a good question. It, it makes everything great. Mm-hmm. Well, it probably still wouldn't make our second episode this week great. But, uh... Also, you keep trying to eat your own teeth, which is a problem. Mm. On the other hand, lose a lot of weight. Oh, yeah. Mm. Most of what I know about cocaine comes from Archer. So... <laughs> there you go. It makes your boobs look fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're looking pretty okay now. I don't need look, that. man, I know, okay? Yeah. They're real and uh, something else. The end. Yes. (laughs) So, Flonk. Yo. You had initially signed up for Trials and Tribulations, and then you said, wait, shit, my, like, all-time favorite episode is this season. I need that one. Yeah, I thought it was next season because there's a a character I thought was in it that hasn't appeared yet, so. Right. But as it turns out, yeah, it was season five, so. But this one is, like, this is, like, your all-time favorite DS9 episode, is that correct? Pretty much. I love Klingons, and this is a really good Klingon episode, a really good Bartok episode, so, you know. Oh, well, tell us all about it. Yes, please. Maybe I will. Called Soldiers of the Empire. Good news, everyone! General Martok is getting a ship! And he wants Worf to be his first officer! Worf apparently has some vacation time saved up. Dude is always working, and he gladly accepts. The IKS Bamoth has gone missing, and the, and the High Council wants Martok and his scrappy band of go-getters to find it and blow the fuck up out of any Jem'Hadar they see along the way. So raise them as a mast, batten down the transparent aluminum, set a course for adventure, maximum warp! Yo-ho, yo-ho, a Klingon's life for me! As it turns out, though, things aren't going too well in the Rattaran. They haven't had a victory in months, morale's at an all-time low, and Worf is too busy babysitting Martok to do anything about it. It seems Martok was more affected by his time in prison than he let on, and proving how different Klingons are from the Federation, he's avoiding that white whale at all possible costs. He's plotting <laughs> courses that'll keep them away from patrol ships, avoids an easy victory. He even let a Jem'Hadar baby keep his candy. 
They do find the missing ship, but since it's a few Kellycams over the border, Martok decides that starving to death can be pretty honorable and leaves them there. Worf, stand, Worf has stands all he can stands, and he can't stands no more. He challenges Martok for command of his ship. Turns out a sweet knife fight was the kick in the pants Martok needed. He beats the shit out of Worf, saves a stranded ship, blows up a Jem'Hadar ship, drops his batleth, and gives everyone the double deuce. <laughs> Returning to Deep Space Nine with a ship full of happy warriors and a cargo bay full of candy, Martok invites Worf to his house, telling him they've got a nice little beach house. You should take a few days off. Come on down for the weekend. Maybe I will. Well, it's been a while since he's taken a vacation. I haven't had any time off in forever. It's been at least a week. <laughs> you you just went to shut down Risa. What? I don't remember yeah. that. That doesn't seem like something I would do at no, all. No, that was a holiday. What? I, I went on holiday. Which <laughs> Dr. Bashir assures me is different than going on vacation. It's a jolly holiday with you, Dax. Wait, no, I went with Polly Holiday. That's it. <laughs> TV's flow, the sassy waitress. There's a great scene in this one where we get to see the rest of the crew dividing up Worf's work. <laughs> I wish that we saw that every time he went on vacation. Yeah, everyone seems surprised. Like, wait, Worf does all this and we have to do it now? Like, this surely has come up before. Can't we have a backup Worf? Where's uh, Where's Nog? <laughs> I think I think he's under Martok's shoe. <laughs> We we do get that one scene where he's he's helping Worf fix something on the Defiant, and he's sort of stuck between them as they're conversing as they tower over him. It's yeah, like, check it out, two Klingons and an elf. They're basically two nogs tall each. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, uh, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. He's just so small. Why are you so small? <laughs> what happened to you? His, his did growth your, was stunted. Did your father invent the shrink ray? He's a better engineer than we gave, we gave him credit for. Rom Selinsky. <laughs> I feel like I should get that reference. I can't believe I remember the last name of the family from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, of course. No, I, I have a I have a Moranis-shaped uh, uh, blind spot in my brain. That's understandable. Brother, I shrunk the kid. <laughs> <laughs> they do have very similar uh, qualities, oh. though. Do you want some coffee, Rom? Uh, do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Yeah, that's about right. I was I was uh, concerned because like I was I was getting a little annoyed with Klingon stuff and mm. I know you guys do not feel that way but nope. I don't know it just like they they keep doing it and I was worried that I would like a whole episode on a Klingon ship would kind of bore me but this was not the case no it was a good episode it was but I I am starting to realize that how annoying they are to everyone around them yeah I can see that. You got that scene with Bashir early on where Martok's like, uh, fix me, but don't make suggestions about how to fix me or I'll bitch at you about it. Oh, whatever. I like to believe that they have, that, that this is their working relationship now that they've been prison friends. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, I didn't sure. think about it. I come in here and bitch and you bitch back at me and we have a good time. <laughs> Goodbye, Martok. You're my best friend. I, I thought you said I was your best friend. Shut up, chief. Wait a minute, Doctor. I thought I was your best friend. Everyone loves hanging out with me. I'm the most popular person on the station. Well, we'll we'll get to that next episode. Everybody loves Doctor Bashir and wants All the to be boys his friend. Anyway. <laughs> My oh, birthday so party is going to be the most well attended party in all of Deep Space Nine. Every Wait a minute. Where is everyone? Now, oh, now sorry. you get me Green Mega Man, and you get me Red Mega Man. No, you've lost me All again. Right. 
You keep you keep doing these BuzzFeed kids of the '90s will remember this stuff, and I'm I'm just I'm not following. It was a South Park joke. Nope, didn't get it. Hmm. See, I was gonna go with the uh, I mean, being me, I was gonna go with the Arrested Development reference of uh, I thought Martok enjoyed his time in prison, <laughs> <laughs> having the time of my life. <laughs> but apparently not. <laughs> no, I didn't like like we've said before. We remembered this character. We like him. He's one of the best Klingon characters there is, and and I didn't remember him being this broken at first. No, that dude, uh, prison was rough on that guy. Yeah, yeah. and granted, he was there for a long time, and I'm kind of glad they did this because yeah. because they just sort of glossed over the fact that we met Martok two years ago, mm-hmm. which means the real Martok's been in jail that whole time. Yep. So it's nice that we address that he wasn't there ten minutes like the rest of them. Mm. So that's good. Nope, really scared of Jem Hadar now. Yeah. Which yeah, makes sense. That makes sense, sense yeah. yeah. Uh so Flunk, what was your good thing? Um all right, so uh it's it's a really subtle little thing, but when we first get on the Klingon ship, they're doing like they're they're docked in the station and they're doing like your you know, your standard camera um static camera shots. Um but once the ship starts moving, the camera just kind of slowly starts rocking back and forth a little bit. It's really subtle, but it helps with the whole pirate feel that they they were going for. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's really cool. Yeah. They've they've done that before with Klingon ships, like even in the movies where they stole the Klingon ship, like in Star Trek IV. Um, there's there's a little bit of that, and there's always this sort of creaking sound, like you would get on a wooden ship. Mm. And it's again very subtle. Yeah. And it's metal, so it doesn't sound stupid. Right. But it's it's definitely lends the illusion that you're on a ship, like a a, a sailing yeah. ship. Yeah. And it's full of smoke, like all pirate ships were back in the day. I, well, of course, because they smoke. Yeah. I guess. Pirate that, ships are always smoking. All that cannon uh, smoke has to go somewhere. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So the the uh, bird of prey has cannons? Yeah, sticking out of the side, little holes. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I noticed in your notes, Matt, it said uh, someone should crack a window. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not, crack a window. I'm not sure if you're clear on how space works, but... Uh, I'm not clear on how a lot of things work, but it's never stopped me before. Uh, fair point. No, it's it, it. They definitely do a good job of establishing a, a very particular mood that we don't usually get. No, which is cool. Like, like I think the longest we've spent on a Klingon ship to this point is the Riker uh, uh, exchange program yeah. episode. <laughs> the Riker exchange program. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess now that they have two, they can basically pass them around however they want. Yeah, right. Yeah, they they're on a whole rotation, and they eventually, like each major race, will have swapped a Riker at some point. Yeah. And it spreads his seed around the galaxy. They're working on developing a blue Riker, so they'll have an extra one. <laughs> Complete the set. Yeah. Well, when he starts blinking red, you know he's almost dead. So. <laughs> That's Tom Riker, though. He's evil. The beard flashes on and off. <laughs> then he just tears it off and reveals that he's been Tom the whole time. Ooh. My God, he had an evil goatee the whole time. <laughs> Um, I do like uh, the well. This was written by Ron Moore, obviously. Uh, what? Yeah. It's like if you want a Vulcan episode, you call DC Fontana. You want a Klingon episode, you call Ron Moore. And it 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 very much like it had Matt. I think you pointed out a lot of the like sort of military tradition stuff that he also likes. Yep. And he made a point of like he really wanted to do an episode where not every Klingon acted the same. He wanted to give them each distinct personalities. And I thought he did a great job of that. Oh, definitely. 
Um, like, I found myself guy not, on the ship. I found a... myself not caring for a lot of them, but uh... well, they're not all supposed to be likable. No. And in fact, I didn't like Martok for most of the episode, and that was kind of I didn't point, realize. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't realize till about halfway through. Like, oh yeah, that's his arc. Okay, he'll he'll be the guy I remember at the end. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, I'm like, wow, I don't remember him being this terrible. Yeah. What a wuss. I mean, you you expect that from somebody else, but from a Klingon, it's just like uh, I thought I remembered him being sort of the uber Klingon. Nope. Like this is weird. He'll get there. Uh, he got there. Yeah. This is the episode that shows him getting there. But right I, now, it's... I, yeah. No, we will not risk our lives on that puppy. Do not kick the puppy. That place is full of jamadar. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a talking targ that jumps up in his arms. Like cheese targ. And of course, that chattering teeth sound effect that goes with anybody being scared. Let's go find the pantry. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Um, I love all of this Klingon crap. Like, getting back on the ship, seeing all these dudes, just awesome. I really liked Lady Klingon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was great. Um, you know, of all of the, the new guys we get, uh, we get here, that she was definitely my favorite redhead chick with the pushing people around and shit. And I like her friendship with Dax, just sort of pops up right, like, right away. Well, there's this great scene. Where she's like, wait, Dax, do you know Curzon? And they, they figure out that her mom probably slept with Curzon. Yep. And there's so many, like, predictable ways this could have gone. Like, that offends my honor. We must fight. Or, wait a minute, I'm actually your daughter. Or, you know, like, mm. any kind of stupid thing. And instead, it's like, uh, Curzon got around with it. So did my mom. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were both sluts. Uh, my mom was a whore. So was I. Yep. High five. <laughs> It was great, but, uh, and actually that ties to my good thing, which is just Dax. Yep. She makes friends everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is just fantastic. Like, she, she had the forethought to bring a few barrels of blood wine, like, which these guys have not had in a while, because I guess you usually have it after a victory, which they haven't had. Yep. And so she's like, ah, oh, no, you, you, we should have a drink. Here, on me. And it's, it's just really cool, and, and nobody dislikes her. And also, she is a better Klingon than both Worf and Martok yep. at this point. Yep. She's got to point out to Worf, uh, you know, real Klingons shouldn't be acting like this, right? We need like, to fix this. People are, like, your guys are going to start to get really pissed off. They'll take only so much of this crap. Wait, what? what is morale? I, I do not know this well, here's Maybe the if thing... I played more Klingon opera, would that help? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Like, it's not just that Worf is a bad Klingon, which he is, and we've established that many, many times. Oh, yes. He also doesn't want to get to know any of these Klingons. Like, he spends the entire episode basically hiding. Yeah. I think part of that, too, is that he was, like, trying to keep an eye on Martok and make sure that he was doing okay. I think that's partly that. And that's good. And, I mean, if you really want to get into it, it's partly him, like, looking at Picard as a leader and being all, oh, yeah, the loneliness command and all that crap. But it mostly feels to me, it's just like, no, oh, those guys are scary. Well, it's, I mean, really the first officer's job, and I think it's the same on a Klingon ship as it is on a Starfleet ship. Like, the commander makes the, you know, the decisions. Yeah. The first officer deals with the crew and sort of massages that stuff through and makes sure everybody's okay. Well, he flat out yeah. says it when he gets, when he, when he comes on the ship and he's doing all that Klingon crap where he's just like, I speak for the crew. But yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't even want to talk to the crew. 
but his job is supposed to be like what we saw Riker doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard to hold up DS9 as an example because their first officer is actually in a different military service, so it's not exactly the same. And yeah. a, station, a base is different from a ship, too. Mm-hmm. Right, that is also true. But Riker's job was to take Picard's orders and to to make sure everybody in the crew was happy, and to, but to also con- like he consulted the captain and and comforted him too. Like he could do both, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Like Riker. Riker was totally a shoulder for Picard at times. Riker yes. was great. In yeah. addition to to being cool with the crew. Like he you gotta be personable to be a good first officer. Mm-hmm. Which Worf, Worf is definitely not. Is not if if we were to take the lineup of next gen, like all the all the guys below Picard and Riker and say, which of these is the best guy to be a first officer, I think Worf would be maybe last on that list. Mm-hmm. After the robot? Yeah. <laughs> And and the socially awkward nerd because the robot knows that he's supposed to, that you're supposed to have feelings that he's supposed to deal with. He might not understand them, but he under he knows that you have them. Yes. Worf is just like uh, 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 feelings. Well, well, like Flunk said, but let's listen to more operas. <laughs> That's what Klingons do, right? He tries to start a sing along that feels so awkward. Yeah. Yeah, and I but mean, that, it, this is actually plays into my quote, so I might as well just do this now. Okay. Um, the the sing along at the beginning is so forced and awkward and terrible, but well, not forced from a writing perspective. Forced yeah, yeah, as yeah, more forced from trying from to the, force it. Like yeah. it's really good. Yeah, yeah. But then it plays. It pays off later at the end when they have the big victory, and then they are, they're all singing, and they're, it's a really cool keeping with the pirate thing. They're doing a big sea shanty as they go off to have another fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Which sounds a little something like this. Now, we go below. In fact, it sounded exactly like that. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. You have a real, uh, you have a real gift for mimicry there, Flunk. Thank you. <laughs> He's like Simon the Sound Man from Sesame Street. He just opened his mouth and Arr. it came out. I um I I mean it feels very Klingon to sing. You know they're always talking about singing songs of glory. Of yeah, poems and songs and all that. Right, but on the other hand, you're at work and suddenly your coworkers want you to sing along. That sounds terrible. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. Yeah. Row, row, Please row. Help. I thought we were singing. It's a, it's a song, you. Green-blooded Vulcan. The words aren't important. <laughs> uh, of course, then Flunk pointed out, yeah, that that is my work sometimes. A little bit. No. Sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, thank Christ, we don't have to. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it does feel very Klingon, and it also feels like that's Worf's only like immediately. I'm gonna lead them in a song because we're all a team and we're all happy right off I the bat. I read this right? in a, a management uh, seminar. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Casual Friday. Um, do we all do the thing uh, where we fall backwards yet? Yeah. <laughs> Klingon trust exercises seem like a really bad idea. Yeah, right. You just fall backwards onto a knife. Yep. No, that, um, that would be a Cardassian uh, trust yeah. exercise, getting stabbed in the back. 
yeah, where you have to think like seven steps ahead of, of your partner to make sure, you know, you've, you've thought of all the ways they could sabotage you. I do like there's a great bit where uh, the, the surly dude, the one who's just completely like, oh, this guy's terrible. The I fuck of the bridge, let's be honest. <laughs> Listen, surly only looks out for one guy. Surly. And and he's like, yeah, with the Cardassians, it's like, ugh, everything's a, a, a scheme and everything. Like, they're always hiding and stabbing you in the back. At least with a Jem'Hadar, you just get a face to punch. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, yeah, the Cardassians sound great. <laughs> like, I like the, I do like the Klingons, and I was getting a little fatigued, but I do like this episode. But I would honestly much prefer to see an episode set on a Cardassian ship. That would be pretty cool. To watch everybody double de- dealing and, and stabbing each other in the back for an hour. That would yeah. be awesome. That would be a lot of fun. I just I, I prefer the psychological warfare to to watching a knife fight is all. Yeah, it was, was a really good knife fight. It was a really good knife fight, dude. Uh, knife fights are not my thing. I, I was wondering too I... if that was like they had to take out their ceremonial. I'm killing the captain knife. Hmm. I mean, is that, that a special one... knife for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Mm. Oh. I, yeah. Like I don't I don't I, have an answer. I... So. <laughs> but like I mean, they I didn't assume... take out their their big ballast. They they just had the little. Knives with the little pointy knives on the end. Right, that no, that's just... for their, um, you know... It's not like a warrior thing, it's a uh, taking care of business knife. Yeah. I, I figure that's just a close quarters thing. Like, you, you're fighting in yeah. in a smaller room, maybe a batleth isn't the best weapon for, you know, right up close. Don't use the batlefts, you're gonna start breaking <laughs> shit. The batleth isn't the best weapon for a lot of things. <laughs> well, <yeah>. Mom <laughs> like... always said, don't play batleth in the house. <laughs> Like, you know, fighting? Is it not good for fighting? No, not really. No. At all? Or cutting things? Or... Also not good for that. Yeah. It's really... <laughs> not good for purposes. stabbing. It's not good That's for thrusting it. or parrying. No. <laughs> Thrust. <laughs> uh, uh, so what was, your, what was your bad thing, Vlon? Uh, going back to the, the crew for a little bit, um, Vlon Klingon was not good at all. Now, wait, wait, okay, so let's let's set up who were all the various Klingons on the ship. Mm. Like, because they did have distinct personalities. So you have Captain Martok, uh, Worf's the first officer, Dax is the science officer, uh, the chief engineer was the lady Klingon that we all liked. Redhead. Uh, the helmsman, I think, was the surly Klingon that we all liked. Was he fishbone? He was like an, he's like an older looking dude, right? Like yeah. With the long gray hair. Yeah, right? but he really was a fishbone nice guy, right? Yeah. Uh, was he the one with the fishbones? I'm not sure. Yes. That's why I'm asking. Okay. Mm. Then there was uh, the sleeveless Klingon, who I think was the weapons guy, but I'm not positive on his role. Yeah. Yeah, he was sitting back where the weapons guy would be on a Starfleet ship, but I don't know on a Klingon ship. He also, was... um, sleeveless, uh, sleeveless guy. Just a thought. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna show if you're gonna remove the sleeves to display the gun show, maybe have some guns to show. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the depressed uh, one of the group. Bro. No, we're never gonna fight. Oh, you have and then one? and then there's this blonde guy, right? Yeah, who I think Which... was just the the checkoff of the group. He had no real place to go anyway, and he just didn't have the look. He didn't have the voice. He didn't have the attitude. He was he was just terrible. Well, he looked like uh, Chief O'Brien Klingon. Yeah, which again, you know. Chief O'Brien was not a very good Klingon. No, like Rene Auberjonois didn't look terrible as a Klingon. Cisco looked great as a Klingon. Yeah, he did. Like, intense-looking black dudes are the best ones who make the best-looking Klingons. And he, he has that look. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Cole Meany, kind of a soft, you know, uh, puffy, like, Irish guy, not so much. Oh, yes, I'm a Klingon. Yeah. Hard to tar to tiddly tar. <laughs> <laughs> and so forth. 
But, you know, with, like, apostrophes. Right. The Balarney Stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking, because I was watching a lot of the old Batman show, because we got the Blu-rays not too long ago, and I was thinking, like, oh, I wonder what uh, Chief O'Hara would be like as a Klingon. <laughs> pretty terrible. Yeah, pretty terrible. No, it was weird. I was uh, just a quick uh, uh, side note here. I was watching that, and um, Harry Mudd was a villain one week. Oh, nice. And then uh, Cyrano Jones was on either the preceding week or the following. They were like back to back. Oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah it was really strange. And for you, <laughs> Batman, a triple. Uh, Cyrano Jones actually played a like another uh, police chief. Oh. Like he wasn't a villain, but Harry Mudd was a villain. And oh god, that guy is such a, like he should have been on more often. He was fantastic. Who was he? Do you remember? Uh, he was in the Green Hornet crossover episode. Ah, okay. As Colonel Gum or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A right. stamp thing, but but he's just got that, that flair that I am a villain. Like, that kind of, oh, so fantastic. Anyway. Batman and Robin. Yep. And he did a lot of uh, disguising himself. Like, he was disguised as two or three different guys, mm. and he was good at that, too. Friend Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um... <laughs> Mine was uh, <clears throat> neckbone guy. So there's one, one of the Klingons. Apparently, we had trouble. We had problems with certain Klingons in this episode. Well, that's the thing. If you're going to make a well-rounded crew of like six guys, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are going to be the the Bevers or the Chekhovs. Yeah. Well, we definitely found those. No, the dude has <clears throat> the dude is supposed to be super threatening with his necklace full of uh, of Cardassian neck bones, but it literally just looks like he's got cartoon fish bones hanging from his neck. The thing is, as, I think as the a concept, one end was a head and one end was a tail, wasn't helping. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, looked, it looked like something Heathcliff had just eaten. <laughs> it didn't help that the the other thing on the chain was a boot. Yep. <laughs> no, um, the the idea, the concept that a Klingon warrior would have the bones of like Cardassians that he murdered mm. is pretty badass. Yeah, but it was not pulled off. No, it didn't look good. It went, They should have gone with like ears or something. I I don't know. I, I mean, Cardassians have ears. That's true. A necklace of ears is a thing that really happened with a dude in Vietnam, and we probably don't want to invite, like, real life. No, I've seen that before on, like, uh, TV shows and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, But no, you're right. In fact, my bad thing also, sleeveless Klingon uniforms, kind of terrible. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. There's, and even they mentioned this in Memory Alpha, one of the producers said, yeah, we made such a big deal out of this crew being intimidating, and there's a scene in Quarks where... I, I think it's the scene that, that you were talking about, Matt, where they're going over Worf's duties and splitting them up. And these guys walk in, and it's supposed to be, ooh, those are bad dudes. And instead, it's like, eh, Those are not even the like the fifth toughest Klingons we've seen on this show. No. So. I mean, look, they need to outshine Martok for at least the beginning of the episode, but... Uh, right. They they don't. No. Actually, my real bad thing, this is this is something that seriously bugs me. And it sounds nitpicky, but it's really not. This comes up every time there are other Klingons. It's supposed to be huge, this whole Worf's discommendation thing. Mm-hmm. And they just shrug it up like, no, he can serve. It's fine. Yeah, nobody gives a shit anymore. And it's like, okay, but if you're going to make this a major plot point in like a huge two-parter, and if every time Gowron shows up, he won't make bug eye contact. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like everybody's supposed to spit. Like the last time we did this in Next Gen, it was a huge deal. Everyone turned their back and nobody yeah. talked to him. And what? now it's just like, eh. What is that doing here? You guys remember yeah. that? That happened all the time on TNG. Yeah, and I liked that. Yeah. And and it's supposed to be a big deal. And here it's just like, eh, Martok says he's cool, so it's fine. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that's not cool. Also, so now he's in the house of Martok, which is good. That's a good way to to fix that without fixing it. Mm. Like, 
it's a nice sort of workaround to say he's got his honor back, but he didn't exactly earn it, but he still kind of did. Except they just wiped Kern's memory like a year ago, mm-hmm. and everything's fine now. That's not great. And I'm, Alexander, is he in the House of Martok? Um, I, I think I speak for Warf, Warf when I say, who cares about Alexander? <laughs> okay, okay. It's more the Kern thing, honestly. They ruined Kern's life over this dishonor thing, and now it's not an I issue. I think yep. Kern, if Warf is in the House of Martok now, Kern would be in charge of the House of Moog and would still have all the dishonor. Mm-hmm. I'm making that up as I'm talking, wow. but it's. No, sounds... that makes That sense. makes a lot of sense, and wow, is that douchey. Yep. <laughs> So long, sucker. Uh, I'm out of here. Enjoy my dishonor. But it's it's seriously supposed to be this huge thing about the character, and they completely abandoned mm-hmm. it in this episode. And the guy who basically made it up wrote the episode, so it's not like he forgot or didn't care. Yeah. I just it it bugs me that they don't address this. Like like they just ignore, they're just ignoring it basically. No, but in this episode, these guys should never have respected him, mm-hmm. and they didn't. I mean. The, the story they're telling, they don't have time to do an episode where they don't respect Martok and also don't respect Worf. Yeah. There's, that wouldn't have fit. I get why they didn't, but they needed to explain what 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 the fuck, you know? I don't know. It just it really didn't work for me, and it's it's supposed to be a fundamental thing about their society, and it just doesn't make sense. And I know it sounds nitpicky, but it's supposed to be a big thing about Worf, you know? Yeah. So, that's all. But there was a lot of great stuff in this episode. I also agree, too, that as... Worf is filling out the paperwork later. He's like, next kin. Uh, no, I think I don't have anybody. I don't, mm. uh, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, uh, I, I got a serious girlfriend now that I hope to marry someday, so may, maybe maybe in a year I'll or two. I'll put her on my contacts name. list. Yeah, there you go. But right now, hmm. Uh, wow, can you imagine <laughs> me, with a, me with a kid? Wow. <laughs> what kind of mental image is that, huh? Jeez. Ooh. Chasing a kid around, I'd be a great dad. <laughs> while he while he sips from his world's greatest dad yep. cup, or galaxy's greatest dad, I guess. Hey, Worf, they got a letter from your son here. Throw it away. What now? Who? Yeah, this actually comes up in the next episode, which is nice. oh man. Um, what else? Yeah, please let's not move on to the next episode yet. <laughs> well, yeah. we have to. No, well, that's okay. Let me look at my notes here. Damn it! So, um, Worf told his big uh, story about why he wants to serve with Martok because um, when they were in prison together, they had you know like a, a warrior's moment between the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really cool. Uh, but it did seem like a hell of a personal story just to get a paid vacation. <laughs> Worf is a master at getting paid vacations at this point. Yeah, yeah, this is his one true skill. Yeah, it is not 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 working. No, but he <laughs> comes back. He comes back and asks for time off, and Cisco's like, "You just got time off." No, 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 that was work. That was work. I was a, I, that was a working, that was a working holiday. I need you, a vacation now to recover from it. You don't get credit at this job for working at your other job. Like at best, you were moonlighting as a, as a Klingon first officer, but that's not Starfleet work. Look, can I get, oh. look, can I get the time off or not? <sighs> okay, but only because I don't know how to count, and I don't know how much vacation you have left. <laughs> Score. Uh, that's all I have. What about you guys? Did we go over, uh, um, Dax? Yes. Okay. That was my good thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I meant, uh, when, when she just shows up. Oh, oh that I was guess, great, yeah. Yeah, that was, like, they do, like, this, I, uh, I, I don't like long goodbyes, so, okay. And she just follows him into the airlock, Jad- so... Jadzia, I told you, I do not want to drag this out. 
oh, no, I'm coming with you. Yep. One, it makes total sense she would go with him. Yep. Two, it makes total sense she would fuck with him like that. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. That is that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is at peak Dax right now. Oh, yeah. There's um there's a scene where uh, uh, she's talking to the uh, the female Klingon, right? Mm-hmm. And they start laughing about the uh, their, about uh, when they used to her mother being a whore. about her mother being a whore, right? And mm-hmm. just at that second, when they burst out laughing, Worf comes Worf comes in and gives them a look. It's just like, oh, this is about me, isn't it? <laughs> hey, what are we talking about? Oh shit! <laughs> Women laughing. Uh oh. Yeah. This better but not be about the size of my penis, <laughs> which I am told is quite large. <laughs> From all all the human women I have dated, tell me that. <laughs> And the ghost of Kalar is like, oh, honey. Oh, that's adorable, Pat Pat. <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> I'm a ghost. <laughs> yeah, the scene in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Matt's favorite scene, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Mean? Right, like she'd go near that thing again. <laughs> hey, look what happened last yeah. time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Worf. What happened but, to our son? Our what? Who? I feel like I'd remember if I had a son. Wait, you're pregnant? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Can I get a ghost pregnant? <clears throat> oh, man. All right. Anything else? <laughs> that is a fair point. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're both digging your heels at no, please no, no, I, no. I think, yeah. There must be something. We gotta do it. We gotta. All right, I, Al. Why don't you? I had a I had a list on my desk here. Well, I, I I'll here. Uh, Children of Time. Yeah. Let's let's talk. I about um this. before you, you read your summary real quick. I I was up late last night and I checked the uh, the doc real quick, and all I saw this is at like two in the morning was just Al's summary. No. <laughs> yep. That was my summary for a while. I had originally planned to just say no. This could have been your uh, this could have been your made up adventures of Chief O'Brien and Barclay if you wanted. I I feel like we each get one sort of like free get out of jail card for, per series. This would have been a good one to use it. Yeah. Well, here let's let's let me tell you about it. Children of Time. La 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 which, la la. I can't hear you. No, you gotta hear. Damn me. it. And so do the listeners, cause they're listeners. <laughs> Going into the series, there was a lot I'd forgotten about but I knew there were three particularly egregious points in the series to watch out for. One was a certain two-parter that we've already seen. One hasn't happened yet and involves one of Chief O'Brien's kids. And then there's Children of Time. I mean, it's no Sub Rosa or Shades of Grey or Plato's Stepchildren, but it's not good. It's not good in a way that I'd almost forgotten Star Trek could do. So the Defiant is hanging out in the Gamma Quadrant because what impending war? When Dax convinces the weary crew to divert from the much-needed trip home so she can look at a shiny rock. Naturally, this leads to disaster, and they end up on Gaia. Yup, you heard me. Gaia. There, they meet their own descendants, which... Yup. Apparently, two days from now, the Defiant will attempt to escape this stupid planet and crash 200 years in its past. The survivors will then encounter a number of strange and seemingly incongruous things. A polar bear in a tropical climate, an airplane full of smuggled heroin, a mysterious smoke monster... All of this will eventually come to make sense if you actually pay attention and listen to the, what the show is telling you. Sorry, bit of misplaced anger there. What show am I angry about? Oh, right. So, actually, the Defiant survivors just stick around and build a community and fuck. A lot. 
And now the current Defiant taking any steps to not do that and just return to the station means that 8,000 people will never have existed. Also, Odo is here, looking mostly like René Aubergenois, and finally professing his love to Kira, which we just decided wasn't a thing like three weeks ago. Eventually, and by this I mean seven or eight hours later, the crew decide that they've bonded with their future past children too much to just let them wink out of existence, so they decide to go through with the inevitable. Except that old Odo, or Oldo as both Matt and Flonk referred to him, <laughs> sabotages the controls to get Kira home safely, sacrificing the lives of those 8,000 people who now never existed. Now, if only history changed in a way that means I never had to watch this episode in the first damn place. Yeah. Just garbage. I want to change my bad thing, because now I'm mad at fanboys who hate Lost 2. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to do, like, a quick one sentence, like, hey, they crashed and they have to build a, build a community and survive. I get it. It's like Lost. And then I just kind of got carried away, like, ah. Oh, son of a bitch! There's no answers. Shut up. Yes, There's there are. Listen. Answers. They tell you everything. Just pay attention. As you'll learn when Flunk and Al do their uh, Lost podcast. You gotta give it a little time. It's mm -hmm. a little, till, still a little too soon. But the yeah. Lost Atomic podcast. Uh-huh. I was waiting for that. Yeah. Well, I could not disappoint you. The post-atomic Kate climbs trees and ruins everything. <laughs> oh, she's just the worst. <laughs> I was gonna work a Kate reference in there for you, but I just couldn't quite manage it. One of my favorite things we've ever done <laughs> she's was... She's sitting uh, there sad, waggling a little model of Defiant. Yep. One of my favorite things we've ever done was uh, Emerald City a couple of years ago when Al bought Flunk a uh, Kate with Trees action figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. Oh, um, God. So where to start on this piece of fucking... Well, let's see if the three of us can manage to come up with three independent good things, because I, I don't know. Flunk, you, you go first. Uh, well, we've actually come up a few times, so it's half cheating, but... um. It's just really unusual to see on Star Trek, so I like to point it out. And that's Ben loves kids. Uh, we see him, he, he's randomly just throwing the ball around in the backyard. He is just utterly delighted by his grandson. It's nice to see. That that scene where he's with the baby just going, did you hear that? We're going to go home. Everything's going to work out. I'm like, all right, that's pretty fucking adorable. Yeah, he's, he's holding this, I don't know, like less than a year old, like... like uh, Some kind of not, fat baby. Yeah, just chubby, Some adorable kind of little chubby baby. very distracted by the lights in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, you could tell, like, I think there's a bit of Avery Brooks shining through there. Oh, I yeah. think Avery Brooks likes kids, and I think they just put that in Cisco because you could tell he's like, oh, baby, yeah. hi, hi, little guy, how you doing? I'm Avery Brooks. Yep. I'm who? Avery Brooks. Do not ask him to teach your kids how to count. <laughs> <laughs> just show him Sesame Street. Much easier. How old is he? Thirty-six months. Oh. <laughs> what is that no, like? It is... What is that like? Four years? It is. It is very cute, though. And, uh, yeah, it's, it also occupies maybe a minute of the episode. Well, yeah. you think just even on this show, like the other parents, we, we have already gone over Worf and, um, mm -hmm. O'Brien is, O'Brien likes his kids, but not, yeah. not anybody else. Well, I, nobody else has kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And even well, in the other shows, there's not really any parents. No, and the whole thing about Picard is he hated kids. They they said that in the pilot, like, "Ugh, there's kids on my ship." Number one, can you handle this? Make I, sure I, I never can't. meet. Uh, make sure I never meet a child. Number one. Yeah, and it took some pretty like profound, like brain altering shit to make him turn around on. I that. don't ever want to be stuck in an elevator with the king of all radishes. Let me just be clear <laughs> on that. And I don't ever want to be stuck in some other life with children. Ugh. Ugh. Just make sure that never happens. But I will learn how to play the flute. My child. 
<laughs> oh man! Oh, don't cry, honey. Uh, what was your good thing, Matt? Um, I like the ending. I like uh, I like Odo, old Odo, Odo, uh, basically <laughs> throwing away the lives of eight thousand people so he can get a chance to score. I think that was impressive. I don't specifically like that, but I do like that this show is willing to sully its main characters. I think, and I, I realize I, too, it's uh, closer to twenty thousand because there's a couple generations that don't exist. Mm. Oh yeah, like all the all the people who are no longer yeah, yeah. eight thousand currently living. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, and just when like basically Odo comes up, he's old Odo visited him and uh, linked with him, which as we mentioned during the episode, I'm pretty sure you can go blind from. Um. <laughs> comes in and tells Kira, just like, yeah, um, so it turns out, uh, I was the one who doomed all those people to death, or non-existence, mm-hmm. um, and also I did it for you, because I love you. And she's just like, you killed 8,000 people! Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Do, do you really think it was worth it? And Oda's like, well, he did. Yeah, I, that wasn't me. I was Bye. Like, Odo? Um, look, I know we get up to some, uh, you know, we're not always sure what black and white is here. You know, we got a lot of shades of gray on this episode. No, you did a bad thing. Yeah, bad Odo. No. <laughs> get in your bucket. Where, where's that newspaper? Come here. Come here. <laughs> Where did we even get a newspaper? It's the 24th century in another quadrant of the galaxy. Just bop him on the newspaper. Note. That file is not found. <laughs> oh, man. Just bop him on the nose with a pad. <laughs> <laughs> with the no pad. Yes. No, he just that. I, that's barely a nose. Come on. No, you're. I mean, I like. I say in principle, I like the fact that this show is willing to go dark like that. Yeah. I. I just still. There was. I mean, we'll we'll get to this when we get to Flunk's bad thing in a minute. Mm. But I, there there was a vibe about old Odo that was just extra creepy. Yeah. That, you know. Old Odo, there like there's a lot going on there. The I think the the fact that no one talked about him. Like he was never around any other people. All the other people. I think that says a lot. Uh, well, I yeah, like, I, never th- I didn't think about that. But yeah, you're yeah, right. I, f- I feel like their priority was like after survival was continued survival breeding, mm. and since he had no place in that, he could never really like like. But you there was think probably he a very... would be like the president or whatever, like yeah, something. Just be part like of the... The... But I feel like he'd always be lonely, is what I'm saying, because it seems like there'd be a practical bent to hooking up, like. You have to hook up with someone you can have kids with, or else we're all going to die. Mm. So Odo, therefore, never gets considered as a romantic partner because he's not able to breed. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's by necessity, lonely forever. Yeah. I just, I like the idea that, and that they, you know, they didn't have enough time to address this because we needed 40 minutes of planting. Yeah, gotta have a planting mom. But um, the idea that Odo's just sort of gone quietly crazy and sort of split off from the rest of the group. Well, it's it could have been a good story, like sort of a like story they do with like vampire type characters sometimes, which is like he's basically immortal, yeah, and he's watching everyone get old and die, and then watching their kids get old and die, and he's still around. Yep, and that could have been an interesting tragic angle to this, but they didn't really. No, they weren't. Didn't seem too interested in that. Just like they didn't seem too interested in having Odo meet old Odo. Yeah, yeah which I think was a huge missed opportunity. Oh yeah. Well, I think what the writers wanted was to be able to use old Odo in a story and so 
rather than finding another way to age the character, they just said, uh, old, uh, young Odo is out of commission for a while. Here is his old counterpart. Yeah, so that's... Put him in a box. We'll just forget about him for the rest no, of the No, no, no. It was a bread maker. I looked it up. It was larger put, than a bread they, box. They put him in a bread maker. Bread is a good time <laughs> for me. <laughs> There's um there's a scene after they put Odo into the uh, into the bread maker where old Odo comes to visit Kira and uh, lays out everything for it. Just like yeah, I've been in love with you for ever, basically. I didn't want anyone to know, and I didn't. And I just picture I just picture regular Odo in the bread maker, bang on the side. Shut up! <laughs> Don't let her read my diary. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing! <laughs> uh, so here's my diary. This will this will clarify some feelings for you. <laughs> wow, you re- wow, you really loved Quark. <laughs> <laughs> Can you write slash fiction about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> my erotic friend fiction. <laughs> <laughs> you really like butts <laughs> and zombies. <laughs> so my good thing. Uh, I had a really hard time with this because you guys picked a couple of okay things and it wasn't much like I got here last. And that's what happens when you stall doing your homework is everyone else took the good answers. <laughs> now, I, I th- there were there were these handful of Klingon like I call them kids, but one of them was a grown ass man. I think maybe two of them were actually. Mm. And uh, one was a grown ass woman. Yeah, they was she. I thought she was a bit younger. I don't know. In any case, there, there's she was a half grown ass man. There, there's no, one. <laughs> small tribe of people who I don't even think are genetically Klingon necessarily, but they identified that way. Like they tried to keep the traditions of Worf alive and they like all the, all the Klingon teachings that he no doubt like laid down in detail. And they're, they're the hunters. They're the ones that go out and, and kill the beasts. And like they're, they're dressed sort of caveman-y. The one dude looks very much like an old school, like uh, original series. Klingon oh yeah. They, and... they classic Klingon him up so much. Yeah. It was really, act- it was actually really I like impressive. That guy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like here's here's how you make a human look Klingon-y, just like the way we used to. Yeah, <laughs> which was I I like that, and I there it was a cool idea that if there was this generational planet where things were handed down, like it makes sense that Worf hit that stuff so hard that it would survive for generations. Because mm. he that's very important to him, and he'd make sure his kids knew about it, and everybody else knew about it. Oh, is that what he'd do? He'd make sure his kids knew about how to be a Klingon. <laughs> uh, yeah, is that a thing he would do? I, well, I mean, I'm speculating. If, he had no, if there was no Russia for him to ship the kids off to, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's stuck. He can't, like... Plus, he's got Dax there to nag him and make sure, you know... Like, you you are not sending our kids away. Uh, <laughs> She's double-checking all of his Klingon manuals, too. No, that's not right. Wrong. Yeah. Look, I was there when they wrote this part, okay? Wrong. Yeah. But uh, that, those guys, that was a cool idea. It was a nice little thread. I, they they did this thing where they tried to show each crew member sort of coming to terms with, yeah, this is pretty cool. I could get into this, and some to, you know, greater degrees than others. But they spent they spent about a second with Chief O'Brien. Well, Chief O'Brien was the sort of like if this is twelve angry men, he's the one that can't be convinced for the whole thing, yeah. which is cool. But then he is at the end, and it's like, oh come on, man, you were the you were the cool one. Mm-hmm. You were the fuck this, let's go home guy. But um. Worf is the one that I purely, like, completely bought into without any question. Like, like this turned out okay. I like this. I could stay here. Yep. Like, I, they did a good job with that. We must honor them. <laughs> oh, you had some great stuff <laughs> oh, about <God>. that. <laughs> I definitely don't want to steal your joke here. We so. must, uh, hang on, let me find it. 
<laughs> I'm gonna steal your joke because I remember it. Your honor fills me with honor, and your honor's honor honors us. <laughs> Thank you, your honor. I'm a judge. <laughs> Here come the judge. Uh, so I think that's all the good things. Oh, God. Yeah, I I liked Nudax. Had a dumb yeah. uh, name, but... Mm. Was it Yedrin? Yedrin Dax. Be sure to ask your doctor about Yedrin. Pregnant women Yedrin should not da use Yedrin. Yedrin Dax is not for everybody. <laughs> uh, if your Yedrin Dax causes thoughts of suicide, then please stop taking it. It's, um... Wow, that went dark. That's what my, that's what it says on the side of my pills. <laughs> on the side of Yedrin? Yes. I, I was looking at it for the it's first time. It's spots. So oh. wait, this is not to get too personal, but this is anti-anxiety medication, yes. right? Maybe maybe that shouldn't be one of the side effects. I flat I was looking at the box for the first time the other day when I was in the bathroom. I was like, if thoughts of suicide appear, please stop taking. I'm like, oh. wow. My pills should be making me more anxious. No one yeah. mentioned this. Yeah. Well, now, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess the thoughts will go away one way or the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that worked. Uh, uh, but yeah, Flunk, so you like the guy? Is what you're saying, Flunk? Like, yeah, you like the actor uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Or? I liked him. He was, in, um, the, the, I thought that seeing uh, Jedzia and Yedrin working together was kind of cool. They didn't really do anything that interesting with it, but it was just a neat idea. Well, it occurred to me in this episode that that having a trill is similar to having like a time lord mm. in that. Like they're moving the symbiote is similar to regenerating in that you have essence of the same personality yeah, yeah, the same and the person, same, but not. Yeah. Yeah. But they change their appearance and they change their personality, but they still have the same continuity of memories and experiences and stuff. And I thought it would be a unique, you know, semi unique like experience to have a Dax working with a Dax, like when you have a doctor working with a doctor, but it just, it wasn't as good as I thought. it. No, could that was be. another missed opportunity that they pissed down their legs. They yeah. did a good scene. Um, uh, where, where, right in the beginning when they're confirming, yeah, we are your descendants. Let me tell you something that Curzon uh, would only know. Yeah. And then Ben's just like, no, 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 we don't need to uh, tell that story. But then in the really... background, you just see Jed Z going, yeah, I think we do need to tell that story. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. Hey, Kira, listen. There's a uh, there's a line on Memory Alpha in regards to uh, Yedrin Dax. It's like, Yedrin Dax keeps his hands behind his back. Jadzia first learned to do this from her other host in episode whatever. Uh-huh. Well, th this had one of your favorite Memory Alpha. It had my absolute huh? favorite Memory Alpha line. I couldn't find it either. I was looking for ever. it. I didn't see it. No, I was looking for it too, and I didn't see it. This is apparently the first example of a freestanding ladder to ever appear in an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> I... Plenty of ladders bolted to the wall, but first time we've ever just had a ladder. Oh, tons. The old Enterprise was lousy with them. Yeah. So I fucking we're, love we're, Memory Alpha. <laughs> we're past the halfway point of all Star Trek, and finally a ladder shows up. Oh. Jesus. It's about <laughs> the goddamn time. Who showed up before ladders did. <laughs> well, now we can finally play a proper game of emus and ladders. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you try to get the emu up the ladder? Because that is a hard game. Uh, I'm, it's English, so let's ask Bashir. Mm. I'm not really sure. Well, the I... thing is, you first you got to find an emu. Emu? Is it emu? Emu? Now, Joe, now, Joe, when you put the emu up the ladder. Oh, Don't tell me how to do it, Dad. It sickens me. <laughs> okay, so now we've scraped every possible crumb of good thing out of this. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's fucking eviscerate the rest of it. Flonk, hit us <clears> a bad thing. All right, so the, um, 
the strings and the piano music starts and the camera pulls a soft focus and Odo gently caresses Kira's cheek. Oh, Nerese. <laughs> you have mentioned many times before the, the phrase you use is Schmoopy Odo. I hate Schmoopy Odo. Do not, and, and it comes from this episode, I guess. Yes, right? this is the one that's always because it's just uh, he's he's such a creep. He's he's he is. We were making the uh, the 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 nice guy jokes before, but well, then, he totally feels like you friend zoned me. And, yeah, and, and milady. And I waited two hundred years for you. Where's my payoff? Yeah, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> it's about ethics and journalism. <laughs> Hashtag Gammagate. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's it's so boring, <laughs> like. And okay, but let's be clear. It's just this episode, right? Like it's, you're, it's, you're okay it's the with... other episodes too, but this is the this is the the peak version of it. So you do you not like the Odo Kira relationship? Do you not like how Odo I don't acts when he's I don't in love? ship in general. I think that's a giant waste of time. Um, okay, but I like then, Dax and Morph together. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to explain. Okay. They just it's just they. I don't. I don't see any reason why they couldn't just be close friends. And Nanavizir and Rene Arbrizinwa agree with me, so I think I'm. In well, you company. got the. This is your version of the Mulder and Scully thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's. I, I was actually just about to mention that. Yeah, Matt, you were very, you know, very adamantly against like uh, uh, the 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 leads in the X Files hooking up. Yeah. Like, original leads on the X Files. Yeah, it pisses me off that you can't just have a man and woman who are friends. I I agree with that, but. I think this show could have had it both ways by having like Kira and Odo not hook up, but also having Dax and Worf hook up. Yeah. And instead, everybody's got to hook up. So I'm I'm actually with you guys on there as well. And I think there, there's I, other I, stuff later that that changes it that I don't really want to get into. But um, it, the early days of this plotline are just so irritating. It just turned me off to the rest of it. Well, and I'll be I'll be clear. Spoiler wise, I don't actually remember if they hook up, but I will say without spoiling anything specific, they do pursue this further. There's they had one decided... particular scene that I'm thinking of that I, that I didn't hate. Mm. So, but they they had they had clearly decided that he was over it because he went and finally lost his virginity, mm. and he even said, "I'm over Kira. She's got somebody else now." Yeah. And now it's weeks later, and no, never mind. Oh, you're single again? Sweet. I you no, can just no. you can just see the look on his face when she's when Kira's talking. She breaks up with Shakar in this episode. We should say. Yeah. Or no, she announces her breakup. Yeah. Like they've. Oh, there's a fucked up thing. Mm. So they prayed to the prophets and asked if they should still be together, and the prophets apparently told them no. Yeah. And that's how like devout Bajorans work. If the if God says break up with someone, they say okay. Well, wow, that's fucked up. Guys, the prophets don't give a shit who you date. Yeah, the prophets, from their perspective, you're already dead, and you're also alive, and you're also still dating uh, uh, the other guy who's dead now. Mm-hmm. And like to them, it's all happening all at once. They don't care. So yeah, it it that that's fucked up. But yeah, you could see Odo just being crushed when she says, or not crushed, like like hope glimmering. You could you could basically just if you could see inside of his head, he'd be blowing into like a party uh, into a yeah. party favor. Right. Just... No, he looks uncomfortable because he like they expect him to say something. He's like, uh, uh not nothing. I have to Gotta go. go to the bathroom. I think. Yeah. For the first time. Um, I left a parrot in the microwave. <laughs> um, Matt, you're good. You're a bad thing. So, um, these people, 
these uh, 47 people who made 8,000 over 200 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're inbred as hell, right? <laughs> One would assume. Like, like super, super inbred. Like, like those Klingon warriors should look like sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> and Stobo we we find this out. Uh, at least half of them are Bashirs. So yeah, Bashir's oh, been sowing his wild oats all over the damn place. They they say the, a lot of these are Bashirs, and he's just delighted. Yep. But then I think he he's sort of noodling it, and he's like, "Well, we're only here with these people for a couple of days." I, I guess I could score with one or two. Great. No, she's off limits. She's off limits. Except now, I guess that's not a factor. So well, look, the, look, limits. there's a Bashir in every one of these people at this point. <laughs> and if there's <laughs> not, there will be soon. That's right. <laughs> Chief O'Brien, I went through the records. Apparently we were married for a while. Well, and I mean, if we'll go back to Trials and Tribulations, we know he has no problem sleeping with his own grandmother. Yeah, yeah. he was prepared to do that. Yep. I'll do what I have to for the good of the Federation. And for England. I, I really shouldn't have bought you that Futurama box set for your birthday. <laughs> I can think of Bajor. <laughs> uh, my bad thing. Uh, you know, people throw the word contrived around a lot. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it felt very, like, at the beginning, it's like, we'll create a quantum duplicate to find... What? We'll, uh, and we have to go back in time. What? Like, just, just so many leaps we have to make that don't make sense. But, okay, my real bad thing. Okay, seriously, it's the 24th century. So life expectancy is what What would you say? 100, maybe? Sure, oh, no, like, we're way better than that. Bones was 137, and he was well, still... That was, yeah, that was, uh, that's what I was going to say. Bones, but Bones it might be a unique case. He works at Starfleet Medical. He has access to the very best health care. Like, he might be an exemplary example. So just, just for the sake of argument, let's say 100 is the standard, like, baseline. Like, right now it's about 80. They in, are in the on, uh, like, a, a, you know, a, not a colony, a, um, you know, a... a a shipwreck, whatever, whatever that virtual colony Eden. is. Yeah, right. Um, so maybe a little lower, but yeah, yeah, like eighty, Let's 100. Say 100, just for yeah. the sake of argument. Yeah, yeah. I, I, those guys have been there for two hundred years, and apparently there've been like five or six generations. Mm -hmm. Bashir talks about, like Bashir actually says, "My great 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 granddaughter." Like how? Like what? Okay, so I mean, I understand that life expectancy is not the same as generations. You can have a kid at thirty and then still live to be 100. I understand that. So you could die a great-great-grandfather or whatever. It just it feels like there should be way more survivors here. You know what I mean? Like, 200 years is not that long in, in the span of a 24th century person's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There shouldn't have been enough time for this genetic diversity to spread, for this, you know, all this stuff to have happened. It just doesn't make sense. At all. You know? A lot no. of this episode doesn't make sense. Yeah. No. And it's, it's one of those, like, sort of late-era next-gen things where it's like they want to tell a certain kind of story, and so they bend so many rules. And it would be fine if the story was great or if the characters showed us something new. But you know what? They, Even if well, they'd like, gone like back in time, earlier, like 500 years. Yeah, 500 years would have fixed yeah. that. But what were you going to say, Form? No, like I said earlier with the Klingon episode where they didn't get into the Worf stuff because that got in the way of the story, but the story was good, so who cares? This one yeah, it, the Yeah, it kind of bugged me, but I'm going to get over that because the story made up for it but here it bugged me and there's nothing to make up for it yeah instead we get I, to watch I, him planting a field for 20 minutes oh act five was just planting yeah that like if you looked at the script it would just say planting more planting planting and none of that exists now nope 
Like these people will wink out of existence and those plants never would get planted. It was so, just, it was such a cheap last ditch effort to turn everyone who wasn't, who didn't Chief want... O'Brien mainly. Yeah, basically. To I get... like Chief O'Brien's basic sort of vaguely racist, vaguely, like he does not like the other. Yeah. Like anyone who's not part of his little group is, is bad. And he's like, yeah, fuck those guys. I'm not, I don't care about them. I want to go home. Yeah. Well, and think... then he meets one for five minutes and like oh we can't let them die they're they're people like us i think a lot of it and this is something else that they could have done an episode about instead of planting i think a lot of it (laughs) is to do with him feeling incredibly guilty about uh about uh hooking up with someone who's not his wife yeah you know absolutely like that dealt with that a little bit they they did deal with it a little bit but i mean they gave a little lip service but it it could have easily been a whole plot yeah absolutely it's just I like I need about that, to though. get out of here because I will not ab- I can cannot abandon my family. Yeah, be hooking up with Ensign Tannenbaum, who who you know the ensign named after a Christmas, <laughs> the Christmas tree. tree planet. Right, from the radiator planet. Miles, don't have sex with that Christmas tree. Well, I wasn't gonna tell you mentioned it. Now I really want. Oh, now all I can old. think about is tinsel wrapped around me shillelagh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he calls it, his shillelagh. But yeah, it's it's just like it, it, that could have been an interesting character thing too, and it's mostly just Bashir giving him crap for it. Yeah. So you're gonna hook up? Shut up. That's in Tenenbaum, eh? That's not bad. I hit that, you know. I hit pretty much everything at this point. Yep. I kind of like too that um, that Bashir's <laughs> future wife, and they had no idea who she was. I thought that was no. like a weird little character piece. Yep. No, it was fun because he was kind of the like. He was secondary, so we only got a, a little jokey thing here and there about him. But, it, you know, his stuff was good. Uh, but that's all I got. What mm. about you guys? Um, uh, notes. Looking at notes. Gaia Annoyance. was just a fucking stupid Gaia. name. Gaia, fuck you. All three Gaia. of us were really just like, that. this is some Voyager bullshit. Someone on, this yeah. plan- someone on this ship was a big fan of Captain Planet. <laughs> Matt, nobody is a big fan of Captain Planet. Nobody. Except maybe Ted Turner. <laughs> I was about to say, Ted Turner is a huge <laughs> fan yep. of Captain Planet. Yep. Uh, the the town was just so generic. Like, it could have easily... Like, if you're just flipping through the channels and saw this episode, it would take some time to, like, figure out what planet they were on and what was going on. It was just... Well, and I, I talked about this late in Next Gen, and, and I think it happens a, a bit in Voyager later. There's just a very standard... Like, it happens on the ship shows more because they go more places. Right. That's not a specific thing about Voyager. They're just, there turns into the sort of this standard, we're on an away mission, here is the village. Like, every time. And there's really no, like, you know, variation on what everything looks like. And it's like, ugh, again? So, yeah. All right. That's all I got. Yeah. What about you? Guys? I like Flonk's line here. There's a bunch of inner light leftovers in this town. It really yeah. reminded me of the. It probably was the same uh, inner light yep. set. It could have been, yeah. Yep, very inner light looking planet. All right. Well, my quote actually ties back to my good thing about uh, Worf sort of becoming this legend over you know two hundred years, and uh, this is this is what uh, a kid that sees him for the first time says. Are you the son of Moog? Yes, I am. Is it true you can kill someone just by looking at them? Only when I am angry. Which I thought was fantastic. That's delightful. Yeah, it was. All right, so that is it. Uh, the end of season five is drawing nigh. We have two more pairs of episodes and we're done. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Big stuff coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Do we want to do a spoiler section this time? I don't really have anything. Do you? Do you guys? Know Not unless any... you guys have anything else to say about. I'm just stuff. gonna yell about Odo some more. So no, I'm good. Yeah. That's fair. We'll we'll get to that stuff when we get to that. Yeah. Stuff. Very well. Uh, the website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. Uh, some people have taken to leaving comments on the website. Uh, I, I, you know, giving your thoughts on individual episodes. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That ends up in our inbox and we can read those on our, on our supplemental episodes. So, uh, please continue doing to do that. that. Yeah, that is totally fine. Flonk, do you have anything to plug? Uh, no. Flonk2 on Twitter and, uh, and go read Amazing Spider-Man. Awesome. <laughs> I think we can, I think we can all support that. Yeah. Uh, our email address postatomichorror at gmail and uh, as I say the season's nearly over we will do a supplemental we will answer your mail and we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. and with that now we don't ever have to watch Children of Time again <sighs> hooray fuck you Children of Time see you folks the Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.